0: Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew
1: and Gray. Welcome to episode seven of Inbound Agency Journey. Gray, in this episode, has a phenomenal conversation with Chris Haney from Think Handy. And, great. I want to get your biggest takeaway from your conversation with Chris.
2: Man, my biggest one. It was a good conversation with Chris. He thinks a lot about the strategic way that he runs his business and a lot of the operations side of things. And so I appreciate that about him. There were two big things that stuck out to me. One was some of his philosophy about website pages, just his general philosophy of every every page should have either a buy now or learn more button. On it, And there's constantly a next step, and that's a common principle of inbound, but it's something that a lot of people don't apply. And then a lot of what he was talking about with um, the monthly webinars that he's running, some of the same stuff that you and I have been kicking around with using webinars as a part of your actual marketing funnel, that was really interesting to dive into, and I enjoyed hearing his approach there. And Andrew, one of the things that I wanted to run by you was what your thoughts were on running the monthly webinar as a Q&A webinar versus having a specific content-based webinar that you'd run that might be the same thing on a monthly basis or you rotate a couple different pieces, but built around content that you promote to people ahead of time versus more of the crowdsourced, you send in the questions and I'll answer them there. Any thoughts on whether those should be used together or one version that you prefer over the other?
1: Yeah, I think they both are a cool idea and they both accomplish different goals, I see the like the content based webinars where you're going more in depth and you're more of an instructor as being really cool tools to help educate leads through the funnel sort of that middle of the funnel type of education where you're digging down deep you're explaining what the buyer's journey is for example or you're explaining what a good call to action looks like those sort of like inbound tips and tricks and toolbox things And I think the live Q&A time is a really cool way to build fun relationships, to really communicate your brand really well. Really good idea to get some blog post titles because any response that you give to any questions you field in the Q&A, you just take that part of the webinar, turn it into a YouTube video, write a recap of that section, and boom, you've got a blog post and a video right there, and you didn't do any extra work for it, so... I love the idea of using an audience or using guests to help create content. I think it streamlines the content process. I think it elevates and uh, expands the reach of your brand because anyone who registers for that webinar, you can put a share button on the thank you page. You can have them enter a contest for sharing the webinar or do something fun like that to kind of social hack the promotion. So I love both ideas. You and I are getting ready to roll out a lot of content-based webinars into the Guava Box funnel that I'm very excited about, and I see the possibility of some Q&A, kind of ask me anything type things coming in the near future for us. I'm excited about that.
2: Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing, and even possibly trying to mix the two where you lead with some content that you have going, and then also open it up, and some of your promotion could be around, hey, this is also going to be a Q&A webinar. Come we get your questions answered about this. One of the things that I liked about the idea that you're running a Q&A webinar is that gives you an opportunity to kind of efficiently answer questions. So we get a lot of personal emails, someone who may never become a customer, um, but just a ton of requests about how do I do this little thing or how do I set up this or what should I be thinking about when it comes to my web design strategy. A lot of stuff that we have some resources for, but people's questions are just a little bit more specific. It just takes a lot of time it, or it could easily take a lot of time to respond to those and it's easier to speak the answers than to than to actually send somebody an email response. The problem is if you get on the phone, phone calls tend to always uh, take longer than the, the five minutes or three minutes maybe that it would take to answer it. So the Q&A could be an opportunity to say, hey, I'll answer this on this webinar. And there's kind of a, an efficient way to answer a lot of those questions that we might get. So I thought that was cool for building that relationship, having it be in a personal way, but also – moving through a lot of those questions in an efficient way.
1: Yeah, and Chris shares a really good example of how the relationship building in his webinars helped him actually close a retainer. So listen in to that section of the interview, guys. You're going to love it. Before we get to Gray's conversation with Chris, take a listen to a word from the sponsor of this show.
0: This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit DoInbound.com slash journey. Again, that's DoInbound, all one wordcom .com forward slash journey. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome to episode number seven of Inbound Agency Journey I'm your host, Gray McKenzie, and I am thrilled to be interviewing Chris Handy from Think Handy on the podcast today.
3: Chris, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. Hey, Gray. Thanks for having me on. It's exciting yeah. to be on the uh, on the radio of the internet. You made it. Well, we're excited to have you.
2: Chris, could you start by giving us a background on your personal story and what brought you to Think Handy?
3: Sure. Sure. We uh, We've been at this for about four years, and... I personally came from the background of B2B sales in wireless and worked for a company called eRecycling in its infancy. We transformed the wireless ecosystem. And really, what that means is we took cell phones and created an, a whole aftermarket for them. So before this company was in existence, you didn't go and trade in your old cell phone at the carrier store when you upgraded. And that we, we kind of invented that whole process. And so now it's kind of like trading in a used car when you buy a new car, it's part of the process. And so what I did is I managed the flow of those phones that came in from the sprint stores, AT&T stores, Verizon stores, et cetera. And we created a process where some of them would go online. Some of them would go out, um, B2B wholesale. And so I was managing both of those processes and it was really interesting and, and as the company took off found some success in that and I learned a lot about selling, I learned a lot about making you know making contact with people online and then nurturing them over time and eventually got an opportunity to start my own company and help other people do that. We I had already been doing that kind of on the side anyway. So what uh, what we really focused on at first was small business, and then just kind of moved up market, and uh, eventually found HubSpot in 2012. What what we were searching for was a way to increase our rates, obviously, and to prove value in what we're doing, and and we were using disjointed tools and didn't have a great process in place for tying it all together. And so, obviously, HubSpot and inbound marketing was a perfect fit for showing our value. And, and within, you know, just within months of, of starting up, it was, it was on the incline from there.
2: Wow. Great. So prior to jumping on with HubSpot in 2012, was it a lot of web design or social media? What were the services that you were primarily doing?
3: So the very first job that we, that I took was in probably 2009 or 10, and it was just doing a website and it was less, the The rate was less than one of our monthly retainers at this point. It was just, it was nothing. And so started doing that, started realizing, well, no one's coming to this website and uh, what do we need to do to get people here? So started learning SEO, trying to figure that out. And, you know, what we learned over time is that that is it's really all just about quality. It's all about filling out the meta tags and doing that right. But it's making sure you have, maybe fewer pages, but more quality pages. We, we would find that people would want to have 20 different versions of an about page. They would have about our team, about our founders, about this, about that, and consolidating those and, and helping people understand, look, let's make sure that this page is thorough and that there's a good call to action going to the next step. And this is all before we found inbound marketing. We, we were thinking about calls to action, and the way I've always thought about this is, Every page should have an option to buy now or learn more and whatever that means for your company. And I still think about that today when we're building out sites and funnels. And uh, do we have a buy now or learn more button on this page? And if not, we need to get it installed there. And so sometimes you're you know, closer to the end of the funnel. But in any case, we were, we were doing that and we, just, we were getting closer and closer to inbound without actually being inbound. We were sharing on social media. We were managing email newsletters. Uh, We weren't really in full lead nurturing sequences yet because we didn't have marketing automation, but we were kind of doing a version of that, making email newsletters more personal, Uh, trying to train our clients that the word email blast is a bad word. And we we shouldn't be blasting anyone because we don't want to be blasted ourselves. So, uh, yeah, just kind of just disjointed and using things like constant contact, which I'm personally not a fan of at this point. I, I'd much rather gravitate towards MailChimp if, if we're in that category. But, um, yeah, w- once we found HubSpot, it kind of tied all those tools together. Got
2: it. That's awesome. So what is the, if it was you starting it off and finding HubSpot back in 2012, how, is, how have things transitioned from, since then? What does the team structure look like now that you have
3: well, I had been working with mostly freelancers to help, and I didn't really have a whole lot of that because we were just not collecting a whole lot of revenue before then. And, you know, we we were we were doing okay, making a, a decent living, just doing projects. What we found in 2012 is that we could have an ongoing relationship and build value over time, and within about a month of kicking off the relationship with HubSpot. We, and I'd been studying HubSpot for a while and studying the inbound methodology, uh, had been reading the, the materials, and we'd started to change our positioning. But once we had HubSpot in our arsenal, we were able to offer more long-term relationships. And people were, they were very receptive. So we got our first two inbound marketing retainers within the first two months of becoming HubSpot partners.
2: Wow, that's great. So... Are there any
3: niches or industries that you're specializing in, Chris? You know, we struggled with this for a while, and I'll tell you, we have we have we've worked with what I'll call the construction industry. So, um air conditioning companies, roofing companies, things like that. We've done a lot of work in that industry. And I think that's just because a lot of the first sites we had, we were getting referrals and we were kind of getting Getting just getting a lot of work there. And so so we've continued to get a lot of work there. What I will say is that it's not the most lucrative industry to target. And so we haven't actively targeted that. We've been working for a long time on our positioning and it it hasn't quite materialized yet. I'll be totally honest. We haven't done we haven't done a great job of that. But what we have done is really worked on our lead nurturing. Depending on what you are, we've we've made the lead nurturing sequences and email marketing and stuff after after you come in. We've made that a whole lot more personalized. So we're kind of coming at it backwards, uh, but we do have probably fifty percent of our client base is in is in that construction sector. Okay,
2: nice. And with the lead nurturing customization that you're talking about, are you primarily attacking that with smart content? Or by determining the persona or industry, and then a, a different workflow inside of HubSpot.
3: So it's really determining the the persona first. Once we have that done, we do have smart content. We do have specialized eBooks that are not on the, the homepage of our site, and we've come up with some specialized content for construction, just because we do get a lot of that work. And so once we see that, we might have a smart CTA pulling you into the you know the five the, the top five. Things to consider when marketing a construction-related company, and I've got I've got one on roofs and and other things just because we know how to do that stuff. when we've kind of got that down at this point, uh, but it's uh, a lot of it's in the emails as well. So I'm a big proponent of really quick, not graphically designed emails that are more personal that really look like they're coming from me. So a lot of them are just questions regarding, hey, you know, what's the biggest challenge? do you have with marketing your 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 roofing company so it's uh, a, a lot of it's just trying to make it more personal and more targeted to that industry
2: great what have you seen response rate wise with those with that type of email asking people questions in a personal looking email
3: it's great people will shoot you a note back from their phone when they get it and, uh, you know, we we do send out some marketing messages that look it's like, hey, you know, here's this webinar that we have coming up and and those work OK. But the open rates and the response rates are huge on these personalized emails just because it really does look like, hey, I'm coming out there asking a question. And most of these are triggered in some way by a manual filter. So while it's marketing automation, we are categorizing and we're not just starting off a drip that is is assuming that you're in a a roofing industry without looking at that first. So I I think that's where a lot of people miss and and we just want to set it and forget it. But I think it's okay to have marketing automation, different segmentations set up and then you can manually filter those off.
2: Nice. Yeah, I think that's a huge tip for people is Marketing automation doesn't mean that you're not allowed to touch anything personally and actually uh, manually set people into a specific workflow. So the more personal care and attention that you pay to the leads that you have, that's going to pay off over the course of your business.
3: I was talking to Rick Roberts the other day. Uh, A lot of people who are in the HubSpot partners forum may remember that, that name. Uh, He just helps people sell in the inbound marketing agency space and one thing he said to me was, "Look, if you have less than a hundred leads coming in, there's no excuse not to touch each one in some way, and most of those might need to be a phone call. Uh, obviously, if they're if this is a lead that's ready for a phone call, but you know, if you if you're under a hundred leads, you can handle it. You can handle putting a queue in in the morning, especially with the tools we have available to us today, but with the HubSpot CRM and things like that. I've got an inbox in my HubSpot CRM that just It's a a list called Inbox, and I have a a little extra contact property that I can set when I've filtered them off into a certain direction. But I want to look at everyone because some people, it might just be such a great fit that I want to reach out right away, regardless of what they've done. And I don't want them to get the the automation. I want to just call them or send them a, a personal note actually sent from my email and not automation. Right.
2: I think that's a great tip for people to take is go through, take advantage of the tools that you have available and reach out to the folks who are in your funnel. If you've got a salesperson, that can be part of their workflow. Uh, if you're a one-man or a small shop and you're a co-founder who's participating in that, there's really no excuse for not touching a high percentage of the leads, especially the qualified leads who come in. And one of the things I, um, in the last episode, we talked with Josh Harkis from Huify, and he just talked about being quick to respond and making sure that you're going through and giving those folks the attention that they deserve, just the, an inbound lead, is just a lead that you're not. You've avoided the awkwardness of the cold call, but there's still an educational process. They still need to get to know you. There's still a whole process you need to go through before they go from lead to sale. So,
3: yeah, Josh is a really smart guy, and he's got a lot of a lot of great insights in that area for yeah. sure.
2: Chris, can you share with us one recent client win or even internal win, and just what the details of that have looked like?
3: Sure. Um, one of the things that I think that your audience would benefit from is a little peek inside our funnel. So we do have marketing automation set up, right? Once we get people into those funnels. And one of the things that we do ask people to do is come to our inbound success workshop, which is our, right now it's monthly webinar. And during some months I've actually stepped up the frequency of this, but it is a Q and a, it's a go to webinar. You can come on. It's a Q and a All it is is I answer questions and go over your website, your landing page, your anything. This has become such an integral part of our sales funnel that I send everyone there, especially people who may not be qualified that want to schedule a a time to pick your brain. And that idea actually came from a conversation I had with Nick Salvatorello, Nick Sal, um, Principal Inbound Professor at HubSpot Academy for the partner stuff. And he came down here, in and I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, and we are the HubSpot user group leaders for Dallas-Fort Worth, and we had Nick down here for a speaking engagement to the group, and we went out afterwards, and over a uh, a cup of hot cider, we were talking about, uh, you know, how to how to use webinars in the funnel because he was doing a lot of those, and we were talking about the partner broadcast at HubSpot and and what that does. And, and he said, look, I really think that this model can be taken for your agency. And I'd, I told him how I'd been considering doing something like this for a while. And he said something that really resonated with me. He said, look, this is this is your funnel. Everything is towards that and everything comes away from that. And what he meant by that was I had been struggling with the middle of the funnel. Okay, well, we've got the top of the funnel stuff down. We're generating a ton of leads. We're generating hundreds of leads every month. It's great. Um, we are the people who are ready for the sale are they let me know, and we close some of those sales, and some we disqualify, and that's great. But getting people from the top of the funnel to the bottom, I had this huge mystery gap that was sitting there. What is that middle of the funnel? A lot of people will tell you it's a case study. And Yeah, that's great. A lot of people do want to see a case study, but I still think that's more of a bottom of the funnel piece of content. If you have this webinar sitting in the middle, you can use this as a closing tool for everybody. It's the logical next step for someone interested in your content and in your white papers, ebooks, whatever it is you have at the top of the funnel. And it's a natural stepping stone to a personal conversation because you do have a dialogue and sometimes I'll actually open up the mic on the other side so they can talk, which is has been really cool, but it also becomes a a disqualification pool. You can say, "Hey, look, you know you you've got a great company here. I'd love to help you. It may not be the right fit for for how we like to work with our clients, but I'll tell you what we've got this basically free consulting every month that you can come on, and anytime you have an issue, we'll go over it so the even those people are satisfied. They recommend people. They give me content to go over in the webinar. It's, it's just amazing, Gray, how, how much I learn by doing that every month and by how much it actually helps people.
2: That's awesome. So are you, you mentioned maybe unmuting people. Is that, what's the format for that webinar? Are you unmuting everyone and letting them talk live when it's their turn or are you taking some text questions and filtering through to answer?
3: So, I'll get into some specifics here in the sign up form, I've got um the question that some of you guys may have filled out at HubSpot. I just lifted it. What is your biggest marketing challenge and I'm experimenting with some different questions too now uh we're We're doing a lot more uh sales enablement work, so I'm experimenting with with a different version of this for that but we uh we just asked that in in the form, and so that's gathering in questions and I actually have this as a recurring meeting. So when you sign up once, you get invited to everyone. And a lot of people come over and over and over again, which is really cool. And I'll tell you why later. They So they've submitted the questions ahead of time. And I just basically call those questions. I, I use Evernote. I just throw them into Evernote. And I highlight the ones that I think I'm going to ask. And I've got the names there. I look at who showed up. That always makes a big difference. Some people submit it, and they're going to watch the recording later. And so sometimes I get to those questions, but I try to go over the questions for the people who are there first. And if they're willing, I may have shot them a note ahead of time. Hey, are you willing to discuss this online? Your question's been selected. And if they are, I'll say, hey, look, I'm going to unmute you. So I don't unmute everybody because that could get a little chaotic uh, depending on how many we have in the room. But it's it's really cool because they can come on and, and you, you can hear their voice. The other folks on the line can hear their voice and we just get really human.
2: Right. I love that approach. That's a huge benefit that webinars have, the podcast, just the opportunity to just talk with someone one-on-one and then also have that conversation be shared with other people. I think that does bring a human element that you just don't get with a blog post um, online. I'm curious, Chris, is there a... Uh, what's the specific call to action at the end of that? Do they just continue in the funnel and maybe that in, uh, increases their lead score or is there, you get to the end of the webinar and here's, the, here's what you should do as a next step?
3: You know, I, I've done different versions of this and with this particular webinar, I don't, I don't say schedule a, an assessment. I, I, every, everybody who comes knows who I am they do get an email later. So if the, if it's their first time and they attended the webinar or they've come and they've, they've viewed the recording, they will get an email saying, hey, I hope all your questions were answered. Uh, if you are interested, you can schedule an assessment. We can go over your details in private because a lot of people don't want to go online. They don't want to submit a question. They just want to watch. So, But I've just found that that natural, non-salesy approach to it works for me personally. And I've had people say, hey, you know, I, what I really liked about you guys is that your, your process isn't pushy. You, you weren't asking for the sale. You were just there to help. And that may not be right for everyone, but it, it seems to be resonating with the folks that attend over and over and over. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but we have people attending this for 9, 10, 11 months before they come on and they, they schedule an assessment. So, I mean, it's a long game. When you when you're doing this, you you're really nurturing them over time, uh, personally, and I you know we've just brought on a retainer this last month that they first I was looking back they first visited our website in 2013, they first signed up for the webinar in early 2014, and they've visited that webinar eight times since then, and now here in February of. 2014 they requested an assessment and I'm sorry 15 2015 I'm still in uh, old time but uh, so I mean over a year that they've been just dancing around this and it it I'll attribute it all to the webinar for sure Wow
2: what a great example of nurturing and letting them kind of come through the sales process at their own pace that self-educated buyer and it pays off in the long run if you're willing to invest in that relationship over the long term and not just look for the short term closes. That's great. Chris, one of the questions I like to ask folks is what's something that you're struggling with right now? Where's an area that you'd like to improve? Think Handy.
3: Well, we've been a small shop and, um, you know, we brought my wife actually on in 2013. And we have a a a slew of regular freelancers that we work with, but we don't have that third full-time employee. And right now we're really stretched thin. And so I'm, I'm struggling with that. What, what we have done is, uh, and I'll, I'll toot my horn and say, I'm a very good process manager and I'm, I'm able to optimize steps. And I think this comes back to, uh, waiting tables in college, right? You see these waiters running around, they go get the drink and they bring it to the table and then they go back and get the straw and then they bring the straw back. And, uh, and I was never that guy. I was bringing the straw with a drink and, uh, and I, I'll continue that process in here in, in agency life. You know, you just consolidate stats. You, you create, uh, regular meetings for instance, if they want a phone call in the middle of the week, say, Hey, you know, let's, let's add this to the agenda for, for that meeting, And we always had that meeting. And, uh, you know, using project management systems and, and triggering tasks and, and all those things have allowed us to grow and scale without hiring anew because we've just been optimizing and learning over time. But I think now 2015 is the year that we're poised to grow. And so what I'm personally struggling with is, okay, what's the next step? And I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably going to be having the same thoughts. So, you know, who do I go after? One of the things we've thought about is do we go with a salesperson or do we go with a, you know, a consultant kind of inbound marketing um, professor, if you will, that would work with the client. So that's that's still up in the air. And we were getting mixed recommendations from our advisors at HubSpot, which is interesting. So um, and, and I really do enjoy the the personal part of the sales but I also love that strategy. And, and I think my biggest struggle right now is which one do I give up first?
2: Yeah. Chris, I appreciate you being authentic and just sharing that struggle right now. That's something that is a big debate. And um, in our experience here at Guava Box, the first person we brought on was more in the inbound consulting project management space when we brought on Ben Butler um, almost a year ago now. And then we're just now um, bringing on a full-time salesperson who's starting next Wednesday. So oh, it's, cool. uh, it is hard to know and it's every situation is different And your skill set and the situation that you're in right now with the market and this type of clients that you bring in, all that plays into that decision. And it's just a hard one to wrestle with and figure out what do I give up first and what can I, what do I have a strong enough system in place to position someone else for success with first? So
3: yep. yeah, there's a band aid that needs to be ripped off. We just need to figure out what yep, color it is.
2: Absolutely, that's great. Chris, do you have any maybe lesser known tools or tools that you use a certain way that you absolutely love and think other agencies could benefit from using?
3: Sure, and I, I see in the HubSpot partner forum a lot the uh, the question, right? It gets always gets a lot of traction. It's just what project management tool do you guys use? What tools do you use? And what I use is Podio. And Podio is sort of like a customizable base camp. And we tailor it specifically for each client. And what I really like about this is that you can go in and you can create different apps and you can actually invite your clients to your workspace to work with you openly. And that's been a key part of what we, what I was describing earlier in, in consolidating steps. Rather than going for the big reveal which i think a lot of agencies are still doing and and i'm more of a a proponent of agile project management to a certain degree i'm not agile certified but i do use those principles in what we do so we want to iterate rather than work on it work on it work on it reveal it and then possibly fail we we spent way too much time doing that before and we don't want to do that anymore so we, we work completely openly with the client. They have full access to the project management system. When we're late on something and we're talking back and forth about, hey, we've got to get this in gear. It's due next week. The client can see all that. And we made that decision early on that we were going to do that. And it helps us keep accountable. I kind of have the same policy with that as I do on social media, is that you don't say anything that you wouldn't want your grandmother to see. And so uh, it, it helps keep me in line because I've got you know, I've struggled with ADD my whole life. And so having this sort of oversight of the client that knowing that they log in and kind of watch what we do and, and comment and participate, it keeps me moving forward all the time. And so I, I really like Podio for that. It, uh, you can get in and really easily customize those, those apps. And I've actually had other agencies approach me about, Hey, you know, help me customize this. And and we've done that before. So that's been, that's been fun to work with other folks on that.
2: That's great. So Chris, if, uh, folks do want to get in touch with you, um, are you, would you be willing to help folks get set up with Podio? Is that something, do you have any kind of package consulting maybe, or something in place to help other agencies who might be struggling with their project management?
3: We do. I had a, uh, I've had a project in place that, uh, that's kind of a turnkey. We'll help you get set up. There's a couple of hours, of, uh, of going over it, making sure that you, that you know what you're doing and, and all of that. And and it just kind of depends on what you're after uh, specifically. But yeah, totally open to that. It's uh, something that we have done before, especially within the partner community. I enjoy helping people get set up with that for sure.
2: Great. That's awesome that you're willing to take something that's a particular strength that you have and share it with other folks out there. Uh, I think that's a big part of why the inbound agency community is so great is so many people are willing to offer, hey, I'm I'm strong at this and I'm willing to give my time and my, what I've learned to help other people out. Um, and then same thing, obviously that applies then to our weaknesses where it's, it makes it easy to reach out and get help from other folks as well. So Chris, I want to switch gears a little bit and find out more about your morning routine and what makes you kind of, what helps you get in gear and be so productive as you're running the agency that you have today with essentially two full-time team members yourself and your wife what does your average morning look like
3: well i'll tell you it, my average morning as of last year looked a lot different than it did this morning we just had a baby girl our first child in february so it's been a quite a different routine for sure but i'll i'll give you some insight into that so this morning so harper my little girl she is six weeks Seven weeks, as of the recording of this podcast, and uh, so we got up. I give I give Bethany a break, and we uh, we got up at five thirty, and we went and we had a daddy daughter dance. So we we do that for about thirty minutes, and so we kind of entertain her for a while while mom can go and and have some alone time, and uh, and then we worked on uh, our exercises and things like that. So she's doing some some bicycle and all of this. So anyway, I, I spent about an hour and a half, uh, luckily, with my daughter in the morning before heading to the office. I, I got into the office about 8.30. I try not to check my email too much before then. Um, I, I do check my email in the morning and I make all the replies from uh, basically from yesterday. Unless you really need an immediate response, I try to just respond in the morning and get, get all that knocked out. And then I shut my email off and I work and that will have been scheduled out. I'm uh, definitely a slave to my calendar by choice. I carefully plot out what I'm going to be spending my time on this. This interview was on my calendar and um, you know, our our assistants and, every, and our freelancers and everyone has access to my calendar so they know what I'm doing and they know when they can schedule time. So that's that's kind of a the biggest tip I can give about what makes me more productive is really manage your calendar and, and put everything on there. If you have 10 things to do, schedule those out on your calendar and you'll quickly see that you don't have time to do all those 10 things. And so I try and keep it to just a few things. And um, I have a, uh, I, I, I go home for lunch every day and I come back and then I, I'll typically have client meetings in the afternoon. So that's, kind of how I run my day I try and get everything done in the morning as far as work goes and then afternoon is just following up great first congratulations
2: to you and Bethany Uh, that's amazing what a blessing to have Harper and have the opportunity to work a job where you have that time to spend with her in the morning and have just some extra flexibility that a lot of folks don't have for sure so hey thank you that's awesome I love the calendar tip too. That's something that um, has been an ongoing thing that we've had to learn with our agency, Guava GuavaBox. Um, just booking stuff on the calendar and then getting used to going in and hey, before you reach out and call somebody, before I call Andrew, just check the calendar, and make sure he's not in another meeting, and uh, yeah, it's,
3: it's yeah to see what they're for doing.
2: Sure. So that's that's helped our workflow a lot. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us on Inbound Agency Journey, Chris. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you?
3: Well, my Twitter is HandyThinks. That's H-A-N-D-Y-T-H-I-N-K-S. That's probably the easiest way. You'll find all my links and whatnot uh, there. And since we're on audio, I'll just give a preview. Probably by the time this podcast is posted, we are starting some inbound marketing-related podcasts as well. And you'll be able to find those on its own domain at togo.fm. That's T-O-G-O.fm. So if you're interested in more audio content along with what the Guava Box guys are doing here, feel free to check that out.
2: That's awesome. Good domain snag as well. That's great. Oh, thanks. Cool. Well, we will include all of that information in the show notes, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for joining us.
3: Hey, thanks, Greg. It was fun.
2: Thank you for listening to Inbound
0: Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, .com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.